hello, hello, Fort Worth. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Fort Worth Freedom, a review. We are a show about local politics that aims to get more people engaged in local issues. My name is Anthony Sosa, and I'm here today to discuss the upcoming election. It's May 2022. It's election time again. Well, it's not May yet, but election day is in May, uh, and early voting has already started. It started today. Uh, We'll get into that in just a moment. All the resources used, as in every episode, will be provided below in the show notes down in the doobly-doo. This podcast is made possible by the Justice Reform League, a Fort Worth-based nonprofit. You can sign up for our newsletter and get updates on Fort Worth political news and deep dives into other local issues at our website, justicereformleague.net. Feel free to contact us if you have any questions uh, or any episode ideas or any additional stories that you would like us to cover. You can hit us up on Twitter at FWReview and on Instagram at Fort Worth Freedom Review. Also, feel free to send us an email at fwfreedomreview at gmail.com. So, yeah. So, as I was saying a second ago, guys, um, early voting started today, April 25th. And the schedule is going to kind of be as follows. It looks like we have like a, a at least on this document, the official Tarrant County document, the schedule looks a little weird to me. But um, to today, Monday, and then all the way to Friday, April 25th through the 29th, uh, 8 to 5. 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. That's usually how the first week normally goes. They have kind of a shorter window for voting. And then the second week, so then on Saturday, we get 7 to 7. So definitely go vote this Saturday if possible um, because not going to get to next Saturday. Um, on Sunday, May 1st, this coming Sunday, the polls are going to be open from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And then on Monday and Tuesday, we get to vote from seven to seven, the polls will be open from seven to seven on those days, but that that's where it ends. Um, we don't get to vote Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday next week. So if you miss it, then you got to vote on election day. So please, please, please go vote. Um, in this election, there's actually quite, there's actually a lot, like, it's not a lot in regards to like, I don't know, a lot of big high profile candidates, uh, or names, but this is this is a significant election, especially if you live in District Four, because we're getting a new council member being decided there. So we're going to add one more to, to this uh, city council that's been uh, that's going to be vacated. Um, so it's which is going to be interesting because we, this city council is very different than the last uh, the last class was, uh, and so I'm curious to see kind of which direction this seat goes because it kind of could go either way. Um, we'll get into that here in a little bit. I. What I had done for today's episode, normally um, we try to stay away from using the Star Telegram, if at all possible, because there is a paywall. And so very often you can't can't read the story, can't get to it if you're trying to share it or show it to people, uh, which is very frustrating. Like local news is so, so, so very important. Um, it should be a public good. It should be something that is, is accessible to all of us, especially when it's regarding our elections and information about the people that we're voting for, as well as the propositions. We're getting a, we're getting a, a shit ton of propositions if you didn't know. Uh, so now, now, you know, um, so, you know, if you want information about these things, if you need information, which we all do, every voter, if you're going to be educated voter needs this stuff. Um, unfortunately, you know, you have to subscribe to the star telegram. So what, what I, I did was I kind of I kind of found a lot of these articles. I, I'm not sure if I got through because I was using my school account or what, but I was able to get through some of these articles. 
Uh, and I kind of I kind of copy and pasted some things here and there into a big Google Doc, into a new artistic creation that is different than the original creations. Uh, and I have provided a link to that document uh, down below. So that's that's going to be kind of what I'm going to be prompting from. This has information pretty much about everything. It's the two constitutional proposition, constitutional changes, amendments to the Texas Constitution um, for the state, as well as like a, a ton of, of amendments for the county. Um, and and then you know the the district four election we also have fort worth city council two cities council seats that are coming up so it's going to kind of cover all of that um so if you don't if you just want to get right to the chase and you're like waiting in line at the polls like go ahead and just open that document and just 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 find what you need it's it's about 20 pages um but it's it's pretty pretty i think pretty well organized i don't know um so yeah, so have at it and 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 here we go. So I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of be reading from this again. This is all kind of a hodgepodge from the Star Telegram. We've got all right, where here we go. We got two propositions at the state level. And I'm gonna read essentially the wording of these and then the explanation that they provide. Quote This constitutional amendment, proposition one authorizing the legislature to provide for the reduction of the amount of a limitation on the, on the total amount of ad valorem taxes that may be imposed for general elementary and secondary public school purposes on the resident's homestead of a person who is elderly or disabled to reflect any statutory reduction from the preceding tax year in the maximum compressed rate of the maintenance and operations taxes imposed for those purposes on the homestead. So translated into normal English, essentially when Texans turn 65 or if they are disabled, their property taxes for school districts no longer increase as long as they remain in the same home. So it's a way to reduce property tax, um, you know, uh, weight, as time goes on, you know, that property tax goes up and up. Well, if you're over 65 or disabled, this amendment would make it to where yours doesn't and it stays the same. So that sounds pretty nice for the, uh, for the disabled and if you're over 65. So I think we could kind of nitpick this if we wanted to um, talk about, you know, why don't we do this for everybody, not people uh, just over the 65 or disabled, then you'd start getting into, you know, lack of, lack of tax revenue coming in to do stuff. Um, I think this is fine in regards, I'm going to kind of, kind of go down here and give you guys my take. This is one of the things I regret not having my, my cohorts here with me. Um, that getting very, you know, it's important to get different opinions, right? It's important to get varied perspectives. And so Amber would always offer, offer something insightful. Um, you know, Thomas, Thomas and, and Christopher Rose certainly would as well. Thomas should be joining me here when he starts feeling better pretty soon. He doesn't have a permanent health condition or anything. He's just, he's just been sick lately. Um, Amber, on the other hand, Amber's so dumb with, uh, so knee deep into school stuff that like, I honestly don't think she'll be back anytime soon, which is unfortunate because I love what Amber brings to the podcast. But anyways, I digress. So proposition one, let's, uh, yeah, yeah, vote, vote. Yeah. If you want. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So proposition two, the constitutional amendment increasing the amount of the resident's homestead exemption from ad valorem taxation for public school purposes from $25,000 to $40,000. So this, I think, man, I think everyone's probably going to vote for this. Probably should vote for this. I mean, I, I want, I'm going to vote for this. 
essentially, you know, the home, if you don't know, the homestead exemption subtracts part of the home's value for the purpose of calculating property taxes. So if you have an exemption currently, they knock off 25K of your property value, and that's what they they then tax you based on that minus you know, amount. Well, they're going to increase that from 25K to 40K, reducing it. So the example that they kind of give is, you know, essentially if you got like a $300,000 house or something, you'd be taxed at three at 260 instead of 300. Um, so that's that's an example. Again, this only only applies to people with property. Right. Um, but this would be property taxes is a really big issue across the entire state. A lot of people are very you know concerned about the increasing amount of property taxes going up, which, again, comes from the fact that we don't have a state income tax. So we have to get that money from somewhere. Um, this would this would kind of reduce the amount, kind of release some of that pressure for most for most homeowners. So, yeah, that sounds good to me. Vote yes for proposition two. So now we've got kind of like the voter guide for Fort Worth and Arlington City is kind of what they saw. I didn't really include any of, any of the Arlington stuff, but we got a bunch of bond measures that are proposed through propositions A through, what is this one? Where's the last one? Q, A through Q. So, yeah. So you probably want to know what these propositions are. You know what? Spoiler alert. I think, I'm going to vote yes on all of these. These are all things that we really, really need. Um, but I'm going to kind of read this, this little brief that from the Star-Telegram. Uh, the 2022 bond package is the largest in Fort Worth's history, with the largest chunk of money dedicated to building or fixing roads. Roughly two-thirds of the $560 million bond package will go to improving major arteries in far north Fort Worth, fixing neighborhood streets, mostly within the Loop 820 and addressing safety concerns on roadways with high numbers of traffic accidents. Um, so focusing on specific kind of parts of the city, uh, really focusing on infrastructure, the Forest Park pool, they kind of spend quite a lot, quite a bit of time talking about, uh, and, and pools in general are kind of part of this, this uh, bond push. They're wanting to like fix and make new uh, swimming pools for the city, which hasn't been a priority for a, a while. Um, so, okay, we're going to go down the list. I know A through Q is a lot. Um, we're just going to, we're going to do it pretty quick. These are all going to be pretty straight up, pretty self-explanatory. Like, honestly, things that probably should have been done a long time ago. Um, but give credit where credit's due. Um, these things are being put here on the ballot. We're, we're kind of decided by the city council. So, so good, good on them for like prioritizing these things and throwing them out to us. So let's let's uh let's go down the list. Proposition A. Streets and pedestrian mobility infrastructure. This would allocate $369 million and some change. Most of this money would go towards arterial product in uh projects, excuse me, in far north Fort Worth, including West Bailey Boswell and Bonds Ranch Road. These areas have seen significant growth and residents have struggled with increased traffic and safety concerns for children walking to school. A path in the grass used by pedestrians along West Bailey Boswell Road near Wind River Drive in Fort Worth is an issue that they're wanting to address and actually you know, provide something for pedestrian walk so they don't have to walk through a field. Um, this would, uh, this, and then it says the second biggest investment of this chunk for this proposition 
uh, would be for neighborhood streets with $81 million dedicated to repairing or replacing deteriorating asphalt and concrete in neighborhoods, mostly inside of 820, which is desperately needed. Uh, certainly, you know, we don't live in Rosemont anymore, but when we did, man, that was that whole neighborhood is just the, the sidewalks, the roads, and they're doing a little work now, but it's like, uh, yes, there, if we had, I mean, 82 million, 81 million to me seems low, but anyways, that's proposition a, do we need better roads in far North Fort Worth where, you know, that's, that's the underdeveloped part of the city, right? Like recently acquired, like recently, more very recently developed. So yeah, like we need to update the infrastructure out there to keep pace with the growth because we are like the fastest growing city, one of the fastest growing cities in the country. Okay, cool. Proposition B, park and recreation improvements. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, man. Some of the parks around here, man. Like the nice ones are really, really nice, but the other ones are neglected. Uh, and if you live, you know, on the north side, if you live on the east side, even some of the ones on the south side, like you totally know what I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, proposition B, do we need more money for parks? Yes. How much money would it be? About 123 million and change, almost 124 million. Um, there are 16 projects listed in this bond measure, but the two that have gotten the most attention have been the forest park pool replacement and the stop six aquatics center. Residents balked at plans for the forest park pool that would have halved the size of the existing pool and pushed the city to reconsider its design. This bond also allocates $5.5 million to develop eight neighborhood parks spread across the city. Eight new parks. Eight. Eight new parks. That's a lot. That's significant. That, that's, yeah, that, that's great. Um, the parks would build, I'm sorry, would, would be built, that doesn't make sense, would be built on underdeveloped city-owned land and could include amenities like playgrounds, bikes, walking trails, practice fields for youth sports. Heritage Park downtown would be restored and improvements would increase the public space down the bluff to the Trinity River. Part of the bond election proposed budget for park and recreation investments includes a $13.5 million uh, to make improvements to Heritage Park in downtown Fort Worth. Uh, this would include uh, increasing connectivity to the Trinity River and restoration of the historic Heritage Park Plaza. Um, I feel like I should know where this is and where this is talking about, but I is this the one that's like just north of the courthouse like kind of on the trinity river but like under the bridge or something i'm trying to figure out which park this is i should know this um but trying to okay reconnect it to the trinity river all right cool trinity trails perhaps uh yeah i don't know all of this sounds pretty nice uh bunch of new parks like yeah yeah it's definitely a good thing been playing a lot of city skylines lately i don't know if there's any uh those City, city, you know, gamers out there who like to play SimCity type stuff, but City Skylines, really, really awesome SimCity type game. Uh, if you're into that, been playing that. Do you need parks in that game if you want your city to be happy? Yeah, 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 yeah you, you do. So, Proposition C, public library improvements. Yay, library money. Yay, please vote yes for Proposition C and B and A. Uh, this would be 12 million, 12 and a half million dollars and would fund the purchase of land designed and construct a new library in the far north of Fort Worth. So now there you go, providing public services to the newer, you know, the, the recently developed part of Fort Worth, way up there in the far north near Denton, or, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about, way up there by Alliance. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much, that's pretty straight up. Proposition D, police and fire safety improvements. So now, uh, 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 uh,
Uh, $39 million, 39.3. This proposition will fund land acquisition, design, and construction for two temporary fire stations and one new police station. The fire stations are in Walsh and far north Fort Worth. The police station will consolidate the Northwest Patrol Division into one building at 3900 Angle Avenue. Currently, the division pays around $151,000 annually to rent facilities in the stockyards downtown and near the Hemphill Corridor, according to a March 24th bond uh, education meeting organized by the city of Fort Worth. So this seems to be like a financial thing, like, okay, they're building a fire station where they need him, um, but then they're like consolidating a couple of police stations from buildings where the city is having to pay rent. Um, to building their own facility where they would own, you know, on their own property uh, and not have to pay, you know, have, have that overhead of the rent. I mean, financially speaking, from the city's perspective, like that makes sense. Um, but it, it always, and, and, you know, all love to the firefighters, certainly give them whatever they need. But like the police, it's always, always kind of makes me question things like when we're given more money to the police funding with the police in, in some ways, like how much are we doing it? And what purposes are it for? Uh, this seems to be like a, a financial budgetary sort of thing. So I, you know, I, 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 I still say, I think I'm going to vote yes on D. Uh, proposition E, open space conservation. Open spaces. Open, open spaces. Just think, of, just think about it. Open spaces. All right. We, we need, we need that, right, guys? Right? We need more open spaces in Fort Worth, right, guys? Right. Yeah. All right. What is it? What is open space conservation? It's exactly what it sounds like. This would be $15 million. This proposition will help the city buy more land to conserve Fort Worth's natural landscapes and potentially develop them in the future into parkland. So, yeah, bro. Like, yeah. Vote yes on Proposition E. I'm like getting my students ready for the star test. I'm like having to remind them that like Teddy Roosevelt like created the National Park Service and like thankfully he was a conservationist and was like into that sort of thing because if it wasn't for him we wouldn't have all you know all, you know Yellowstone Big Bend like wouldn't be here because that land wouldn't have been set aside a hundred years ago it would have been it would have been developed it would have been you know mined or drilled or you know built upon um, but thankfully no so it's like should Fort Worth be setting aside you know, for the future, for when we're bigger than we are now, setting aside some land, you know, to say, hey, this should be, this should be, you know, preserved or become a park. All right. Yeah. We need to be thinking about that sort of thing. So good job on the city council for like putting this there. Again, this is something that maybe should have been done, you know, sooner um, or a while ago, but hey, it, it's, it's here now. So vote yes for Proposition E. Um, F. Let's keep it rolling. Mayor and city council pay. Okay, so this has been the controversial one. And you guys, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you totally know how I feel about this and how the podcast in, as a whole, because we are all in agreement on this. Um, pay them more. You need to pay them more. This again, this is like, you know, <laughs> if you, obviously workers' rights, always, I will always say pay them more, pay the workers more. But if we're talking about public servants, you know, running the city government, you want to attract people that are regular people, people that can afford to do the job, maybe quit their current job for a couple of years to, to be in the city council. But as it is currently, they don't pay them dick. They don't pay them anything. 
And so you have to essentially be independently wealthy if you want, um, you know, to get paid. And so, uh, I mean, excuse me, if you want to get paid, if you, if you want, you know, to run for office, you have to be a, a business owner or inherited a bunch of money or just be rich because you essentially have to take off work for the time that you're doing it. Um, so, so this proposition F has kind of made a little hullabaloo because when I think it was mayor, mayor Maddie Parker, who brought it up a, a month or two ago when they were, I guess, talking about these things, it came up in the meeting. People were like, what? Like, oh, she wants to raise their pay. But, uh, yes. So here I'll read, I'll read a little brief from the, from the telegram. This amendment would raise council pay by indexing it to the pay of city department and assistant department heads. The mayor will make half the average annual pay of all city department heads. And the city council members will make half the average annual pay of all city assistant department heads. So, okay, I like, first, before I go any further, I like indexing it to something else. Saying, okay, it's not going to be a dollar amount it's going to be fixed to this other thing. And this other thing should, you know, increase in accordance with inflation in accordance with whatever, right? Like as, as the economy changes, this thing will likely change. So the things that they picked are the city department heads. So the people who run the city departments. Um, and I think that's pretty smart. So what this translates to is about a thousand, a hundred thousand dollars a year for the mayor. So this is all the, all the city department heads who probably make different varying amounts, they average that up. And half of that average is what she's making for the year, what the mayor makes. That sounds pretty good. That's, that's reasonable. I, I don't disagree with that for a mayor. Uh, and then for the city council members, it comes out to around 77K. So 77K, 77K a year to be a city council member, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And I think that's high enough to where, you know, this opens up the playing field to allow a much more diverse and, and uh, group of people to serve office. And when I say diverse, I mean like economically diverse, um, not just racially diverse, like economically. Get, get people with, with working class backgrounds, you know, in there. Get people with varying levels of like education and academic background in different fields. Most of the stuff, man, covering these elections after, after the, the short, you know, we've been doing it for a little over a year, uh, I guess two, two years, year, I don't know. However long we've been doing it, I've been looking at a lot of these candidates, right? And like all of them flaunt their business acumen and their business successes. We're going to talk about more of that later. I'm going to get further down the list. And that's cool, man. I get it, bro. You've got a business. Awesome. Capitalism's great. But like... I would like to see other people who maybe haven't owned a business, like what they would do, right? Like what would some of you guys do if you were in office? I'm sure most of my listeners aren't business owners or maybe, maybe y'all are. Maybe we're in the hustle culture now. Everybody has to be our own business or you got to be your own brand. <sighs> Anyways, okay, let's get back to the propositions. All right, so, so yeah, I'm saying vote yes for F. Pay them more, please, because like I, I don't have the number in front of me. We've covered it in the past. If I remember correctly, it's, you know, some, it's, 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 ugh, I don't even want to say a number because I know it's going to be wrong. It's just pittance. It's dismal what they currently get paid. And this seems to raise it up to a, a decent pay. Um, 
here, I guess I guess I better read this. Like, what's it going to cost? Uh, if approved, it would go into effect next fiscal year and cost taxpayers an estimated uh, 484k for the year 2023, and and a little more 587k for 2024. After the council adds two new members, so that makes sense. We're gonna have two new city because remember we're doing redistricting. Uh, redistricting. Um, we're gonna have two new seats, two new members. We're gonna increase the the payroll. That makes sense. But here's another thing it says: it also eliminates the need for council, uh, for the city council to go to voters to get approval for a pay raise. So we don't have to do that anymore. We don't got to play that game anymore where it's like, oh, they want to raise their pay. Like, oh, should we or shouldn't we? Like, it cuts that completely out because whenever the pay of these department heads changes, whether it goes up or down, then the pay for these members of the city council and the mayor will accordingly go up or down. So it just kind of cuts out that whole process of having to like even waste, really waste the council's time doing that, right? Because that's, that's docket space. That's 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 time in the year where you're debating and this sort of thing, and it could be something else of more substance that you're, you're spending that time on, right? Okay, Proposition G, meets and bounds for district. I laughed when I saw this. I did not know we still did this. Th- furthermore, that it was mandatory. So, uh, yeah, before I even read it, vote yes for Proposition G. Uh, meets and bounds for districts. This proposition eliminates the requirement for the city to use meets and bounds to describe the borders of city council districts. These, so if you don't know, these are legal land descriptions that use natural landmarks like trees and streams and rivers to describe the boundaries of a piece of land. It doesn't mean the city can't use meets and bounds to describe the boundaries of city council districts. This proposition would just eliminate the requirement to do so. So if you're like, is that what I think? It is what you think it is. Like, it's essentially, this is a super antiquated way of surveying where you essentially were like, this district would go to like the big rock over there. And then everything on like the left side of the rock would be it. And like on the right side of the rock would be like the other district or like this tree over there or that hill or the river or whatever, like it says. So, um, you know, this is what people were surveying and how people were surveying in America in like the 1700s and the 1800s before we had like modern surveying equipment. Uh, so like the sheer fact that in 2022, like we were still re- required to, to state the boundaries in this way just blew my mind. I, it's something that I had to learn. I minored in, in geography when I was getting my history degree. So we had to talk about this and learn about all the different ways that states were surveyed and how the state's surveying practices has changed over time. (laughs) Fun stuff, dude. It actually was really fun stuff. But anyways, okay. Proposition H. So yes, please vote yes on Proposition G. Let's get rid of this antiquated thing. We don't need that anymore. There's going to be a few more of those, by the way, of like, why are we still doing that? Proposition H. Post-termination hearing. So right now, city department heads, city secretary attorneys, and auditors have the right to a public hearing before the city council if they get fired. So like if someone's fired in these roles, they have a right to a hearing. Um, and then it says there's another provision in the charter that prevents the council from interfering with this city manager's management of in-city employees. This means if a department head, city attorney, or auditor or secretary requested a public hearing after being fired, the council technically couldn't do anything about it. 
And so what this amendment would do is we clean all of that up and eliminate the right for a hearing if fired. I'm not sure, and this is my ignorance in this process, I don't know what the point of the hearing would be. Like, would it, to get your job back? Or just to, to talk about it? Like, what's the, it doesn't, not that it matters, I guess, but this is getting rid of it. Like, I want to know what we're getting rid of exactly. Like, are we taking rights away from people? Like, is this, is this a protection for people that we're throwing out the window? Or is this like just some sort of technical, like, you know, bureaucratic technicality that kind of just clogs up things that is, you know, inefficient, inefficient for who, the system or the humans? I'm curious. Um, I don't actually know about this one. Proposition H, I actually don't know how I feel about it because I want to know more information about it. Um, I kind of want to vote yes just because of the, you know, I want to vote yes on all of these essentially. That, that's been my, what my takeaway on this was like, I guess yes on all of them. But H, I'm not, sh I don't know. I don't know. I want to know more. Um, if you know, listeners, send me a tweet. Hit us up on Twitter, FW, at FWReview. Um, how are you going to vote on Proposition H? Okay, Proposition I, time to review petitions. So this is a quick one. Apparently the city has 10 days to look at petitions and decide you know, what they're going to do with them, if anything, and this would extend that to 25 days. So it would give the city more time to review these things and do the, the bureaucratic mumbo-jumbo stuff that they got to take care of to, uh, to, to stay in compliance with federal law in regards to petitions. Um, because petitions are like a right and like they got they got to look at them uh and so this gives them more time to do that so proposition j so i guess yeah vote yes on proposition i more time for petitions is good to me this it feels like it gives petitions more power um if they you know if they actually get to be read uh proposition j tax assessment and collection oh no taxes more taxes oh no this deletes references to the city's finance department in the part of the charter that talks about local tax collection because county handles that, because the county handles that. <laughs> because county. Because county handles that. I drive bus. Um, so, okay, here, there's going to be a few of them. I don't know if, I don't remember if they're all in a row or not, but essentially there are some duties that the city used to take care of that the county now takes care of. And so... Uh, when the county started taking care of those things, the city never took it out of its charter. So there's like multiple propositions in here that are like just cleaning up the charter language to not include things that the city doesn't actually do. And so one of those is taxes. The city doesn't collect taxes. County collects taxes. So why would the city say that it collects it? You know, it's just, it's just cleaning up that language. So yeah, there's no reason to not vote for that. Yeah, let's, let's clean up the document to where it's you know more true. Uh, so that's tax assessment and collection. Proposition K, city health department, same thing. There's not one. Um, there's a county health department. So it's just the same, like just take it, it talk, takes out the part about a city health department because there's not one. Proposition L, newspaper notice, sale of property. This was weird to me. If the city is selling a property worth $125,000 or more, it has to currently advertise it in the Star-Telegram four times. Why? I don't know. That's really weird to me that, like, why, why, 
is that a city thing? But that's the way it is. So this thing, so proposition L, um, would change that and say, not anymore, you don't. Now you just, you know, have to, still have to advertise it once, but you can just leave that advertisement online for four weeks. So I guess, I don't know why the city has to advertise anything in the Star Telegram. That's really confusing to me. But I mean, I understand we have to advertise things. And so I guess that's the paper of record here in Fort Worth. And so like, that's the one. But again, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, a lot of that stuff is behind a paywall. And so I have a problem if stuff that the city is putting out is somehow being, you know, I guess they would maybe be out of some compliance of some federal law if they put that stuff behind a paywall. But I don't know. You know what I'm saying. Okay, anyways, Proposition M. Almost done, guys. Paying for subwalks and curbs. Yeah, yeah. We need that. We need more subwalks and curbs. Okay, this amendment eliminates the requirement for the city to charge property owners for the cost of building a sidewalk. I'll read that again. This amendment eliminates the requirement for the city to charge property owners for the cost of building a sidewalk abutting their property. I did not know that the city, that you had to do that, which explains now in retrospect, when I was living over in Rosemont, the city, no, it wasn't even the city. It was like Atmos laid down some new piping, just tore the crap up out of our sidewalk, but it wasn't our sidewalk. It's a city sidewalk, right? They just tore it all to pieces and left it like that. Um, and I was always just like, why, like, how do we get the city to come out and fix this? Like what's going on? Well, had I have done that, I would have had to pay for it, I guess, which is insane. So this changes that. <laughs> so if you want Proposition M to, you know, change that to where you don't have to pay for the sidewalk, uh, then vote yes on Proposition M. I'm going to be voting yes on Proposition M. Proposition N as in Nancy, not M as in Mancy, is um, timing of assessment role. Mm-hmm. This amendment eliminates references to certain dates tax assessors have to report certain data to the city. It replaces the dates with deadlines to make the city charter align with the requirements of the Texas state law, which implies to me that somehow the city was not in compliance with state law the way previously things were. And so this is trying to get them in compliance. So I think, I think it's probably good. The city's in compliance with state law, even though oftentimes state law is pretty crazy. Uh, so that's proposition N. Probably still, yeah, vote yes on that. Uh, proposition O, public service core reports. This amendment eliminates the need for public service corporations to file annual reports to the city. Okay, great. Cool. I Sure. One less thing for the city to have to worry about a process. You don't need to send annual reports. Okay, cool. I'm sure the federal government takes care of that. Or the state. All right. Proposition P. Uh, official advertising contract. This allows the city to sign long-term advertising contracts for certain newspaper advertisements that are required by law, like public hearings, land sales, etc. instead of negotiating the contracts annually. So this eliminates the need for the city to put out the advertising contract to bid and to go through a lengthy process. So yeah, that makes sense. Again, this is kind of a time constraint sort of thing. If you're having to renegotiate a contract every year, then that is time that the city council is spending renegotiating a, a contract 
that they could be spending on doing other stuff. So they could just say, okay, let's just do a five-year contract. All right, cool. We don't got to talk about it for five years. All right. Yeah, great. Done. So that sounds good. Prop proposition P sounds good with me. Proposition Q. Last one. This is it. Annexation elections. This deletes outdated references to specified polling hours and the mayor setting polling locations for annexation elections. Instead, the charter will require annexation elections to be held in accordance with state law. Oh, there's one more. Sorry, guys. Proposition R. Mixed up with the Q. They were, it was in the same paragraph. Sorry, guys. So, yeah, I don't even know what an annexation election is, guys. I'll be real with you. I don't know what that is. But this, uh, again, says it uh, gets in accordance with state law. So that, you know, we want to be in accordance, accordance with state law, right? I think. So, yes on Q. And then Proposition R. Last, this really is the last one. Independent auditors. This amendment defines the duties of independent financial auditors and eliminates the requirement for them to print copies of their report. So now you don't have to print stuff anymore. Save the trees. All right. I like it. Auditors just can go digital now. 2022. It sounds right. It sounds good to me. Yes, the R. So yeah, I, I think I'll take a leap of faith and just say yes on all of these. Again, if you disagree with me for any reason, I'd love to hear your reason. I'm sure you, if there, if you do feel strongly about one of these, I'm sure you got a really good reason. I'd love to hear it. Hit us up on Twitter at FW Review. All right, moving along. Got a couple more things that we're going to talk about today before we sign off. Um, we got the District 4 election. So uh, Kerry Moon gave up his seat so he could run for the Texas House District 93, and now we are voting for that seat. So it's going to be interesting to see like for real like who who district 4 ends up being, which kind of way we're going to go. So we got a, a couple, you know, more progressive minded. I kind of I, I hesitate to use the p word. I don't know if they identify with that themselves, but I think, you know, more progressive minded, more more forward thinking members um with 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 you know, your Chris Nettles and Dr. Dr. Jared Williams, uh, you know, kind of winning their seats. So this could kind of go in that same direction if we get Tara Wilson to win this seat. Tara Wilson, I, I, can, I think we can kind of put in the same vein as then as, as far as being fighting for rights, fighting for more equality, fighting for the people here in the city. Uh, and so she would have my vote. If I was in District 4, Tara Wilson would certainly be who I was going to vote for. So uh, real quick, I'm going to run down a little bit about each of the candidates. We got Alan Blaylock, Al, excuse me, Alan Blaylock. Um, and these are, again, these, these, what I'm reading from is, is in that document that's provided it, uh, below in the show notes, but this is primarily from Star Telegram stuff, uh, where they essentially answer some questions. They kind of, I guess, you know, sent the candidates the same questions and everybody's like providing their own answers. So he's 53. His website's alanblaylock.com got a website. He uh, was a project management guy, I guess, at TCU. It just says project management education. I don't know what that means, but that's okay. That's what he's got. Um, please list the highlights of your civic involvement activism in the city of Fort Worth. So Mr. Blaylock uh, was the CCPD based pro was on the committee uh, for the base programs of the CCPD. So affiliated with the police department, associated with the police department. He's a he was a committee member for that. He's a, a member of the District 4 Heritage Homeowners Association. So he's a part of a homeowners association. Um, vice president of City of Fort Worth Property Improvement. So he's a, okay. 
probably a landlord guy. Um, District 7 Advisory Board, Vice Presidents of the Arts Council of Fort Worth, Core Team Representative, uh, Fire Station Number 45 Public Art Selection Committee. He's the co-founder and treasurer of Swim North Texas Eagle. Oh. I wasn't the co-founder and treasurer of. That's confusing. I guess he's the co-founder and treasurer of the Fire Station Number 45 Public Art Selection Committee. All right. And then finally, and then he's the Parent Teacher Association Director at, at, at North Texas Eagle Ridge Elementary. So the guy gets around. Um, pretty establishment sort of dude from what it seems to me. Uh, I'll keep on going. Have you been involved in a civil lawsuit or bankruptcy proceeding? Um, no, he hasn't. So they kind of asked that. Have you been convicted of crime? No. What are your top three campaign contrib contributors? And he says himself the Fort Worth Police Officers Association and the International Association of Firefighters. So like, for me, that's kind of at the end of this conversation right there. Like if you're backed by the Fort Worth POA, like I don't want anything to do with you. And I think I can safely say for, for my compatriots here at the organization, like they don't either. Um, the Fort Worth POA is like one of the most oppressive organizations that we have here in the city uh, in regards to, to maintaining the status quo here in Fort Worth, you know, racially, uh, maintaining the status quo from a class perspective. Um, that's like literally the police's job is to maintain these things. But furthermore, like the, particularly this POA, like if Thomas were here, he'd be ranting and raving about, you know, them, be, you know, starting a parlor uh, in the midst of the George Floyd protest, because that's something they notoriously did. You've got Manny Ramirez, who was the head of them, and, and all the crazy things that he has said as a representative of the organization, as the head of the organization. So, uh, yeah, if you're backed by them, it's kind of like, nah, dude, nah, bro. So I would just, I'm not even going to read any more about Mr. Baylock and just tell you, you probably shouldn't vote for him. If you want to read more, it's in the thing. I encourage you to read it if you're curious, but we're going to move on. James H. McBride, he's 49. He has no campaign website. Uh, however, he did provide an email address and phone number. I'm not going to say that on the air, but if, it's in the thingy if you want to go get it. Um, and he recently graduated from TCC, uh, high honors, and then got a bachelor's degree last year from Texas Wesleyan um, in mass communication with a minor in political science. Respect getting a college degree later in life. Uh, I mean, he's older than I am, but that's exactly, you know, if you if you went through college and you got your degree, good for you, man, regardless of, of how old you are or were, uh, whatever. Uh, do he apparently ran, um, ran for mayor in 2019, but didn't, didn't obviously get it. I don't remember this guy. Um, we weren't covering this back then, but I, I don't recognize this dude's name. So he's the only person on this thing who answered yes to a crime. He didn't disclose what it was, but he said he had some youthful digressions in his past. So, but he's like, but then he kind of followed up with, but I got a 3.8 GPA in college, which is like, I'm not sure one has anything to do with the other, but uh, all right. You know, at least he's honest about his past history, I guess. Um, I think it's a weird question. Just while we're on it, that's just kind of a weird question to ask, like as a newspaper, like, do we really need to know that? Like, I guess, I guess because they're running for political office, it's like, I need to know it's public record. Like you can just go find it. Um, but I don't know, man. Like 
I, I feel like people should be able to redeem themselves. Like redemption, I think, is important. Uh, and if we're digging up peop- stuff people did, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and, and judging them on that, like, that's dumb. Why are we doing that? Uh, I don't think that's how we need to be, be, be looking at people. people. People should be able to change. People should be able to be forgiven, you know, redeemed. So I don't think it's any of our business, whatever Mr. Dude McBride did. Anyways. Uh, his three campaign contributors are three guys that I do not recognize. So I don't know. Maybe you'll recognize them. Dr. Murray Fortner, Rick Lancaster, and Curtis Reams. So I don't know. They didn't have any significance to me, but maybe if you know who those guys are, maybe they would to you. Um, he likes to kind of refer to himself as a free thinker, which always makes my ears perk up. Like to me, it kind of means one of two things. It's like either you are a free thinker and I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to be that generalizing. To be honest, I don't want to say it just means a couple things. It makes it makes me either go, "We're gonna get along great," uh, or or it's like, "Oh," or or you think you know what you mean by that, but you don't actually know what you mean by that. Uh, and what I mean by that is like you think you're a free thinker, but you are unaware of the higher level activities of things that are going on that are impacting and influencing your decision making and your thoughts so these would be things like political and economic systems and power dynamics and stuff like that and if you're not considering those things or unaware of those things and the impacts of those things um then you might you know think of yourself as a free thinker within those systems but not being able to think outside of those systems and how they could be removed or changed or different, I think is more important. And sometimes I come across free thinkers who, who aren't there, who aren't outside, you know, they're an inside free thinker, I suppose. And that's the kind that James McBride seems to be. Um, he's just the impression that I get, he's disgusted with, with the, the polarization, you know, of the past couple of years, especially the Trump administration and everybody it's big left, right thing. It's a big hate party. He seems to be pretty disgusted with that. But at the same time, I don't get a vibe that he's going to try to actively change anything around here. He does. And, and the, the, the question that I'll give you an example of the question. So I'll, I guess I'll read it. So I'll just, I'll just read it here. Let you decide for yourself. But to me, this is pretty, pretty obvious. So like, what were your um, top three policy priorities be? He says, we need to revisit the office of the police monitor and make sure the office can produce context to the problem instead of content talking points being parroted right now okay um i wish he was more specific about that i think i know what he's talking about but it's really hard to i don't want to assume all that just based on what he's got going on here um we can achieve this goal by first bringing more psychology and sociology as part of the officer's curriculum secondly the civic leaders in the affected communities need to hold record companies more accountable by not making negative music the day's tune. That one really confused me. I was really, I didn't know what he was talking about here. Is he literally saying that civic leaders like the city council need to hold record companies, like record labels, more accountable by not making negative music? I didn't know what he was talking about here, man. Um, If that's what he's saying, that's pretty... I don't agree with that. Um, I don't know. He, he continues on. 
Lastly, we need to bring more scholars on these boards to examine and study these situations. The problem will not be solved by civic leaders alone as witness. So I'm not sure exactly what he's talking about. That wasn't the question. That's, I highlighted all that because I remember being really confused by that. That's not what I meant to read. The thing that was kind of sold it for me, going, okay, I'm not going to, you don't have my vote, uh, was do you support the creation of a citizen police oversight board? Why or why not? And he kind of avoids it and says, I believe my opinions or thoughts on this question were expressed in a previous question's answer. However, if you'd like me to elaborate more on the issue, I'll be willing to do so. But this is, I guess, in an email. So he doesn't, he doesn't elaborate on it. Um, but I didn't, get, I didn't get that from the previous thing that I just read you. Like he mentioned the police monitor is creating talking points. But I don't know what he wants to do about it. He isn't saying yes or no definitively. Yes, we do need a police board, or a citizen oversight board, or no. Uh, that's a pretty, odd, pretty easy heart, yes or no, right? Uh, the first guy, I didn't read it to you. first guy said no. Obviously, guy who's backed by the PP, uh, you know, Fort Worth POA, like that guy was definitely like, no, we don't need one. This guy, like, I don't know, little, little wishy-washy. Tara Wilson, on the other hand, who, again, is the one that I encourage you to go vote for if you are in District 4. She's 37. You probably recognize her name because we've talked about her on the podcast. I think this will be our third time talking about her. She uh, ran for District 4 in the past, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. She also ran for a congressional district last no in, in November. Um, I'm like pretty sure about that. So now she's back. She's running for district four again. Um, and she's a, you know, she's a progressive. So she kind of calls it like she sees it. Here's some of her highlights. I'll read, I'll read some of her stuff. Um, executive board of the LGBTQ saves a group that focuses on creating safe spaces for LGBTQIA plus youth 12 to 24 executive board for the Texas Latina list, which is a pack that focuses on getting, uh, Hispania, Latina women in positions of higher office at the local, county, and state level. That's fantastic. So she's getting people engaged in, in, in local politics. Like, that's, that's, that's phenomenal. Uh, Fort Worth Hispanic Chamber of Commerce Ambassador Leadership. Fort Worth Leading Edge 2022 Class for Emerging Leaders in Fort Worth Under 40. So she made that list. Uh, have you ever been arrested, charged with a crime? Nope. Have you ever been involved in a civil lawsuit? Nope. Uh, who were your top three campaign contributors? Domingo Garcia, which cool, great, like that dude too. So cool, he backs her. Uh, Rosa Nave, uh, Navajar and Dr. Catalina Garcia. Why are you seeking this office? The first priority of a city council uh, councilor is to listen to the community and advocate on their behalf. I don't believe this has been happening. So many parts of District 4 feel disconnected from the city. They are tired of being kept out of the loop and the unavailability of basic information. Word, I feel you on that. Uh, my desire is to create space for all parts of the district to be involved that meets them at the busy intersections of their lives. The budget is nearing $2 billion, and I'm betting not many of you knew that. Being fiscally responsible while making sure bond money is invested in these things that directly impact the daily lives of the District 4 residents is paramount. District 4 is mostly neighborhoods and homeowners who contribute their fair share to the tax base that comprises the enormous budget. District 4 deserves a forward-thinking member of the city council to represent them with the future in mind and the looming infrastructure issues that are emerging on the horizon. Love it. What are the biggest challenges that face are facing your district? One of the biggest challenges we face in District 4 is the state of our infrastructure combined with the pace of growth. This is something that all three of the candidates said, by the way. So, but uh, not, to, not to diminish what she's saying, but this is the infrastructure in District 4 is something everybody's very concerned about. Um, 
Uh, we saw what happened when thousands of us lost power and water during the winter storm last year, and it is all a result of the lack of infrastructure we have in the city. There is also an imbalance in the way that resources are allocated in the district. We have to find better ways to equitably allocate resources to ensure that all residents can be cared for. Traffic is another major problem that too many of us are familiar with. We need to have a hard and honest discussion about our transit plan and ensure that plan prioritizes the future growth of the city. What would your top priorities be? Your top three priorities would be, she says, investment in community, transit and infrastructure, and assisting small businesses and healing our economy. Those would be her top three. You, if you want to read the entire thing, it's again down below in the show notes. I'm not going to read it all to you guys, but Tara, Tara seems to be the top candidate for District 4 if you ask me. Um, so, and if you're listening to this podcast, I guess you, you're asking somehow, some sort, some way. So go vote for her if you're in District 4. Please, please, please. It would be great to see her in office after, after uh, these multiple runs. Okay, wrapping it up. We've just got a little bit left that we're going to hit. The Fort Worth ISD. Uh, it has... Uh, Fort Worth ISD School Board has two positions that are open, two vacancies. Um, one is in District 1 and one is in District 4. And so just real quick, um, in District 1, Star Telegram only was able to get one of the people to write back. So Camille Rodriguez is one of the is the is the one who wrote back. She's 54. She's a podiatrist, and she served on the Fort Worth ISD school board in 2004 for four years until 2008. So she's previously been on the school board. Um, very concerned about math scores and reading scores. Um, she wants to improve the scourge, uh, scores. Sorry guys, I've been talking all day. My mouth's starting to break. Um, improve the scores positively engage parents and caregivers and be transparent in all matters. So that's her thing. Seems nice enough. Uh, not really much to compare her with. Unfortunately, Aaron Garcia, her, her, her opponent didn't respond. So I don't know what he's all about. Um, so there you go. That's her. And then if you're in district four for the Fort Worth ISD, which ah, I should have pulled the map up in front of me so I could describe, maybe you don't know if you're in district four or not, but I could tell you that you are in district four. I'm going to find a link. It'll be in the show notes. Look at look down below. I'll make sure I'll put it. I'll put it when I'm done. Uh, a map of the districts. If you're curious, is this my district or not? Like I don't know. Um, district one and district four of the Fort Worth ISD school board. Because again, I know this is all confusing. The school board districts are different districts than the city council districts. Different, different ones. So I know we're saying district. You know, city council district four. It's not the same as Fort Worth ISD district four. So, anyways. Um, Fort Worth School Board District 4. There's a couple candidates. We had Brian J. Dixon, Trishel Strong, and there's a third guy, right? Yeah, and Wallace Bridges. Those are the three people running for that seat. Real quickly, um, Brian J. Dixon, what did I highlight? I highlighted this stuff. What are the big, biggest challenges facing your district? And he said, executing a clear and focused plan to improve reading scores and graduation rates while we live in a stressed out, burned out, compassion fatigue society. Fort Worth and District 4 are not immune to the socio-political stressors affecting every neighborhood across America. What will your top three priorities be? One, improving reading rates. Two, supporting both retaining and recruiting teachers. It's nice to see that. Uh, and number three, choosing a superintendent who understands turnaround and can execute the board's strategic goals. So they're picking, the board is going to be deciding our new superintendent. So that's something that they kind of mentioned in their thing. It's like, okay, well, the type of superintendent they want. 
Um, so this guy seems to, he's a, uh, he's a child psychologist, psychiatrist. Seems to understand young people, seems to understand, you know, what we're going through as a society right now. Seems to understand that that kind of impacts all of us. I think that's important to have that empathetic perspective. So Brian J. Dixon, child psycho- psychiatrist from Baylor University, uh, seems like a cool dude. Trishel A. Strong is 22 years old. She graduated from O.D. Wyatt in 2017. And that is, it says her occupation is an officer. I, I don't know if she's a police officer or if she's an officer at an organization or something. I'm not sure. It doesn't say. Um, Trishel didn't, her answers were pretty short, pretty curt. There wasn't a lot there. Um. Yeah, I just didn't 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 see a lot that I could endorse and, and really even comment on for Trishel. If you want to go find her little transcription, it's it's in there. There's not a lot to it. Uh, and then Wallace Bridges is uh, the final candidate. He is 63. He wrote a lot. He's got big old paragraphs in here. Um, I'll read from one of his things. He is running because we need a school board member who will focus on our children's education and dedicate themselves to ensure that all our children receive an equitable and quality education they deserve. Which sounds a little vanilla, but he's not wrong that we do. Yeah, that's we need that. Is it platitudes? I don't know. Uh, what would your top three priorities be? Number one, improve student reading and math scores. Uh, he knows the numbers. He kind of lists the numbers in these things. Number two, building strong school communities. Strong neighborhoods build strong schools. I will use my successful career as a community organizer, neighborhood association president, and PTA president to build strong PTAs and neighborhood support for our schools, families, and students. Number three, ensure our schools receive the support they deserve. Our students, teachers, and schools need their fair share of resources to ensure they can succeed. I will work to ensure that our schools receive the resources and support they need to ensure our students. Now, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I am not sure how much the school board has in regards to resource allocations like how much power they have in regards to resource allocation i think the resource allocation problems stem from the state level rather than the this the district level um though i suppose you're going to have some control of funds and where they go at the district level so there's something to be said about that um yeah so I don't know. I I am in neither of these districts for Fort Worth ISD, so I, I'm not going to vote. I don't know who I would vote for, Brian J. Dixon or Wallace Bridges. I think if you put a gun to my head, I would say Brian. Uh, child psychiatrist seems to kind of, I, I kind of vibed with his responses a little bit more than Wallace Bridges. I guess I didn't read about Wallace. Um, oh, he didn't, he didn't answer that one. Okay, he just didn't, an- he just didn't list his achievements. Never mind. Okay. So I guess he's a community organizer, you know, and that sounds great and all, but I think uh, the little empathetic perspective at the at the school board would be nice. So I guess I'm su- I suppose that's who I'm going to endorse. So good, you know, go vote for Brian if you're in that district. All right, guys, that's that's pretty much it in regards to this election. I know it was kind of a lot. Thanks for sticking with me through this. Again, the links will be provided below if you want to go check out those campaign websites for those candidates. Those are also in that document. Uh, real fast before I let you guys go, I wanted to mention a couple of stories. We we had a couple of stories we were going to hit last week. We were going to try and record last week and just, we couldn't, couldn't get everybody together. 
so again, obviously the election is super important. So I just I'm recording today on Monday. Normally we do this on Sundays. Uh, I didn't want to wait till we could get another group of us together. So here we are. I'm just kind of pushing this out. But I did want to mention that um, M- Melissa Lucio, her execution has been halted by the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals. This just came out a couple of hours ago. Uh, and we were going to kind of talk about her. Thomas really wanted to talk about her and her case. Uh, if you don't know who I'm talking about, if you haven't heard about Melissa Lucio, she's a woman who is being sentenced to death for the death of her two-year-old daughter. Um, and there seems to be a lot of shadiness around the case, a lot of like a, a coerced confession and essentially like an accidental death. Uh, uh, you know, on the, it appears the child fell down a flight of stairs and then, you know, a few hours later died. But she's getting blamed for the death of the child and is being sentenced to death for it. Now, her execution, which was only a days away, has been halted. Uh, and they're going to, you know, by the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals, they're going to reopen it and I guess rehash it out. So that's that's a fantastic story. Maybe Thomas can uh, can get more because I know he had a, he wanted to talk about that. Uh, maybe we can talk about that on the next episode. Maybe there'll be more developments on that. Uh, another thing I wanted to mention last week, now with the election, this is kind of not not a big deal anymore, I guess, but there was an open meetings violation on the city where apparently since September, they were required to be like posting notices of the agendas of the city meetings every week or every other week. And uh, they weren't doing that. They were posting it online, but they weren't posting physical copies, and which they stopped doing because of the pandemic. But the governor's like emergency order or whatever to like where they didn't have they didn't need paper ones, whatever expired last September. So apparently like everything. That they decided on since last September was like null and void or something. So they had to like reprocess, like reaffirm all the decisions and all the things that they decided way back then, because like none of it counted, I guess, because they didn't have physical copies of the agendas posted it's on city hall so that's been taken care of and fixed now and so they're in compliance and now things should be good but i just thought that was crazy i didn't even know that 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 was even a thing um so yeah uh and then fort worth pd is just raking in the money uh on civil asset forfeitures i'm gonna put these stories in the show notes fort worth report did a really good job on this a few weeks back uh civil asset forfeiture if you don't know is like the cops just taking your money essentially and they just take it and they keep it uh, and they use that money. They, they stack a big, you know, millions and millions of our money up. Uh, and then they just like do stuff with it, like buy stuff with it. And it's there. So that's a problem. Civil asset forfeiture is a problem. Check out that story down below. And yeah, that's pretty much it, guys. Uh, if you have certain things you want us to talk about, if you got questions or comments or concerns, please hit us up. FWReview at, excuse me, at FWReview on Twitter. Uh, hit us up at Fort Worth Freedom Review on Instagram and uh, FW Review at FW Freedom Review <laughs> at gmail.com. Hit us up. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, we'll, we'll be back in a few weeks. Peace.